and welcome to a very special episode of the DM's Book Club, a podcast where we read about some Dungeons and Dragons and discuss how we might include it in our role-playing campaigns. Uh, Ryan is away this week, uh, off on a well-deserved holiday, so I am joined by, frankly, an amazing guest host. It's the one and only Sam Robbins. Sam! Thank you! <laughs> Sam uh, plays with uh, in our campaign, Xerios uh, on TBA Mondays. But Sam, how are you? Thank you so much for oh, coming on. I've been bumbling through my days in the usual bemused trance. You know how it is. <laughs> how are you? I'm doing well. I'm better for talking with you, as I always said. Interesting fact, me and Sam have officially known each other for six years, thanks to Facebook. <laughs> seems longer. <laughs> it really seems so much longer. I guess we'll start by sort of asking, how did you get into D&D? Like, what sort of drew you to it? And what, what you remember of starting to play? It was Ryan's fault. Yeah. It was all Ryan's fault. <laughs> he is completely to blame. He was like, oh, it's like Skyrim. You'll like it. And I'm like, oh, well, it's a bit nerdy and there's dice. And then six years later, I've got an army of miniatures, more <laughs> books than I have space for, enough dice to rounded chipmunk i don't know all the adjectives and like this, but... taking part in like three different campaigns a week now oh uh, god running and running several of your own home brew stuff that's it's, very impressive it's all too much i don't know <laughs> this i can't get out now i'm too far in <laughs> you're too deep you're too deep how about yourself actually i've never asked you how you got how into i got it. into it it's a similar sort of thing it was one of those things i was always sort of like i'd love to try it but I, for various life reasons, I've been like, oh, drama, you don't need to do drama, or you don't need to do these things. They're very, they're very sort of, uh, what was it that they said? Um, they're not sustainable careers. <laughs> Which, I mean, depending on how you see it right now. But I, I was invited to play in a campaign with some people from, uh, I used to play Quidditch. And so they, they did it. And I thought, you know what, might as well try it. And I went and I kind of was like the last person to the group and it was okay i, I actually really enjoyed it i had a, a, a one of those character sheets which was pre-made which was a halfling paladin and i kind of panicked because obviously i was like because they thought it was funny to give me a character who was who looked like me but shorter as a <laughs> as a knight and obviously I, they kind of told me to read over it and then they'd introduce my character and they didn't tell me anything about it and they came to me and said oh so what is your name strange traveler and i panicked and i said my name's Susan. <laughs> wow. The Susan the Paladin was my was my thing. And the whole point of the character was that my god was also called Susan. And apparently there were other fake Susans that were roaming the land. And I was like, no, only the one true Susan would do it. And so but then I just started referring people as lesser Susan. So it got to the point in role play, I'm just going around <laughs> pointing at people saying, Lesser Susan, that is not true of actual Susan. <laughs> and so it got very complicated very quickly. And then as you can tell, I, I something I was like, this is really cool. I want to do more of it and stuff I can actually control. So there you go. Down the rabbit hole you went. I did. And then obviously you got to meet you, got to meet Brian and David as well. And here we are. So, what's our topic today? What have you brought for us to sort of look over, Sam? Oh, I've got a creepy one. Go on. <laughs> uh, today, the topic I have chosen is a specific type of monster called the Oblex, mm -hmm. uh, from the monster book Modern Canaan's Tome of Foes. Mm. 
I chose it because I thought it's one of the more interesting examples of things aren't quite what they seem. Um, there's a lot of like monsters and creatures who can like pretend and disguise themselves, but I feel the Oblex does things rather uniquely. Hmm, so tell me, so what is an Oblex? And also, what is the plural of an Oblex? Is it Oblexes? Or as I was reading, Oblices, which I quite like. <laughs> I've been treating it like sheep. So, so you have like a group of sheep, or there are some sheep, or there are some Oblex. But yeah, Oblex I is the other good one. Mm. I wasn't sure. They probably enjoy eating sheep, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They probably don't care what they're called. <laughs> <laughs> no. So they're, they're these kind of... Oh, well, in the book... There's, there's only three pages on them, but they've got these beautiful illustrations. Um, I'd roughly describe it as like a an evil grown-up psychic goth version of Flubber. <laughs> that is a very accurate description. <laughs> and a reference that wouldn't would be lost to most people under the age of 25. <laughs> that makes me so sad. <laughs> so it's this kind of slimy, crawling ooze blob. That is the result of devious experimentation by mind flares, which I think you've done a previous episode mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. So they created this creature, which can effectively eat the memories of other sentient beings. The creatures have no goals themselves, per se. Uh, they just hunger for thoughts, which it can absorb. Mm. Um, and then once it's absorbed enough memories from a person, it can spit out this false version of that individual in the style of, I don't know, uh, like the, the Chrome Terminator from Terminator 2 <laughs> or um, X-Men's Mystique, that kind of thing. They just mm. plop out this doppelganger. And so you have this kind of creepy, imperfect copy of the victim whose mind was scanned. Yeah, I quite liked, um, again, reading through Mordekaiden's tome, like little bits and pieces, obviously, with Mordekaiden, it has like the little bits of scraps of paper where they've written stuff or or, um, I think it's Bigme that's written stuff in it anyway. But the one line I got from it was like, these creatures, you know, they devour memories to sustain existence and spawn new obluxes or oblex, um, but they are empty without such nourishment. And I thought, wow, that is such a cool line that your, obviously, your thoughts make you as a person and it comes across and i don't know how much you know about mind flayers but obviously this is very mind flayer in like obviously they scan the memories and they use that intellect uh, to advance their needs so having oblex under the control of obviously mind flayers and elder brains are actually really useful just to go and infiltrate whole towns and cities and gain information but without killing the victims and that's something i actually hadn't really thought of until we finished reading it i was like oh they don't need to kill the the victims. Mm. They just they just need to scan it and then they can leave. And that's frightening, actually. That you you can yeah. be, you could be memory drained, not remember it, and then suddenly there is another copy of you somewhere that is being used. Yeah, terrifying. I mean, it, it brings all the kind of concepts of uh, like all the classic films, like um, what was it? The, oh, the invasion of the body snatchers. Body snatchers, yeah. And oh, more recently, like us. Which oh, I know I've not heard a, of that one. What's oh, it's by the same director who did Get Out. Oh yes, that was creepy. Like having the two worlds, like people on top and then the alternate versions below, and swapping between them. A spoiler, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's so true. That's so true. Actually, I had completely forgotten about that film. So it evokes all that lovely kind of creepy. You don't quite know what's going on. Style stuff, which mm. I love. And also, I think it's a, it's a very unique creature. 
again, I didn't know this until today, that it was actually created by someone called Noah Whale, who actually was part of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And it was actually their sort of wish to go spend the day at Wizards and then create this, this monster, which I was like, wow. There's an interview in Dragon Plus magazine with Noah, and it said, like, yeah, most kids want to go to Disneyland. I want to go to Dungeons and Dragons, and I wanted, I wanted to play my favorite game. And I was like, that, that's valid. <laughs> I think I too would like to do that. Yeah, it's just like swim with dolphins, work with Wizards of Coast, and making an Irving goop monster. Mm, I know which one I'd fall under. So, what would you say is like your favorite thing about Oblex? What is it that sort of draws you to them? Well, as I say, it's got that lovely kind of invasion of the body snatchers feel to it. But the thing I quite like, and this is this is probably going to sound weird, is that it has a very clear inbuilt tell uh, that you can hint at, but it's ultimately up to the players to discover. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of clues which even those who have never come across this monster before could spot, and it would make them rightly suspicious. Other impersonating monsters can do that. You can do that with them. Say a doppelganger, it might not act like the person it's pretending to be, or a mimic might not look right. But well, I'll, I'll get your view on this, because I feel with those creatures, it's very immediate. You either don't know or you do know and it's fighting. Because mm-hmm. you're like, Bob is acting weird. He doesn't usually speak in riddles. Or why are there, <laughs> why are there tomatoes in this fruit salad? Something's clearly up. Kill, 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 kill. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of just a flip of the switch. And it, it requires a lot of work from the DM to make that gradual, I guess, in terms of taking it from the book. Whereas with this one, there are a couple of things which they give you as options to kind of gently, gradually bring the players in to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So firstly, each of the kind of projections... Have I mentioned projections? I think we have. Uh, why don't you go into more detail, Sam? <laughs> yeah, so the creatures, when they, when they take on and eat people's memories, they can plop out these projected simulcrums of those individuals. Mm-hmm. The adult forms of the obelixes can plop out five, and the oldest one, the elder oblex, can have, I think it's about 13 on the go at the same time. So like insane. <laughs> like a whole tavern full of people. Yeah. Um, and... Each one of these projected forms have to be connected to the main one by this kind of slimy tether, mm. this gooey kind of umbilical cord style thing. And so that gives you a lot of ability to say things like you realize that no one has stood up to get a round of drinks. The tavern staff don't seem to move from behind the bar. You don't see anyone tending to the horses or walking in the streets. So these are kind of subtle indirect you're not saying there's this weird slimy thing on the floor or bob is acting weird it's Mm. very kind of indirect um ways of giving the players hints without railroading them yeah i agree when i think of mimics now i think of it sounds so bad i think of ditto when ditto tries to mimic like (laughs) pikachu so obviously it's like still ditto's face (laughs) and obviously i know doppelgangers are a bit more uh intelligent so obviously will look a bit like it but you agree they're very aggressive and they you know they from what i remember of doppelgangers again my limited experience with them it's quite small and we we fought one once and i was on my own and i didn't like it but yeah it's it's just an interesting like this is so much, like you said, it is definitely more of a 
a slow, gradual build, thinking that something's not right in this town. Um, I watched an interview with Jeremy Crawford, who was talking about this monster, and is saying, like, it doesn't have to be... Because ultimately, and thanks to you for sending me that blog, uh, you know, how the monsters think, their sort of blog post on Oblex was really interesting because it talks about how a monster wins is obviously obsessive. For Oblex, they want to get the memories of the most intelligent people there are. It's very picky. It's a very picky eater, which I quite like. So it's got to choose intellectual uh, fighters or, or mostly spellcasters and wizards. Uh, so it wants to have people who have high intellect, but maybe low wisdom-ish, to, just to sort of nourish it. But Jeremy Crawford was talking about, like, where would you have it in a setting? He probably could have it in a town. It's just hiding out. But maybe the town knows of it. And it's like, you know, when someone is about to die, you feed them. You know, or get a memory sort of scanned and then you could still talk to those who have passed and if you decide to kill an oblex people might be very cross with you because that you know granny was still alive <laughs> but i like that idea that people who are you know have passed away you can still talk to them but obviously looking at like the alignment they're lawful evil so it's like a nice balance because they're intelligent they're very smart these uh oblex so of course they'll be like but we're just trying to help you know and it's not necessarily gaining intelligence and stuff. So I quite, I quite like that. And the other thing as well, you sort of sort of mentioned it. So obviously the elder oblets can have up to thirteen personas. So like you said, a very small tavern, you know, all sort of connected. But the actual tethers themselves, it doesn't really describe them in any way. And in the the blog post again, it talked about maybe the tethers themselves are translucent or they only glisten a little bit in the light. So it's very hard to see them and again the the book doesn't really say like oh here's a dc to, to spot it to spot something's wrong so yeah you need to come up with sort of clever ideas like why would a player be worried and like trying to make insight checks and, and trying to understand the motive because they have a very good uh deception uh score mm. there's like it's like a plus uh i think it's like a plus four and then a plus eight or something like that for the the older ones and i thought that's really clever as well again that's sort of like everything's okay here what what's wrong you know and having that sort of unnerving almost like canny valley-esque feeling going out throughout a whole town and you never really discovering why i had a had a thought of you could have it as like um you're in a very big like legal case or something in the game where your characters have been caught doing something not too shady but it's being spun into something really awful so the lord can send you to prison or something and you could have the jury has been replaced by a single oblex who's working for the Lord or something. Oh my God, yes. And they'd all kind of stand in unison and just turn around and go, guilty. (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool. I like that. Yeah, having being able to replace like a whole posse of people in certain circumstances, that, yeah, that's really, really cool. So like you said, it's... um, these sort of simulacrums, oh, I can't say that word. I'll never say that again. <laughs> the duplicates um, yep. that come up, they look exactly like the original copy. And the only way you can tell, as you said, is either by this tether or a faint sulfurous smell. Yeah, exactly. Which again, I think it's quite interesting. I don't know how I would play that in a game. Like you just think, God, this whole town smells of shit. <laughs> smells eggy. <laughs> so and and maybe like a way to get past is that everyone just comments on it, go, oh yeah, really sorry, the the local sulfur mine. And just like <laughs> you know, making it self-aware. Cause it's again, that's something that's really interesting that it's a surely the ooze must know it smells, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> we loved our poached eggs here. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think as a new sort of concept which isn't necessarily evil and you have to kill it, is like working out like what is wrong and it gets the creepy vibes, like you said, the body snatcher vibe, I really, really like. And yeah, like the fact that this sort of the individual simulac... Oh, no, I attempted again. And One I more time. One more time. Give it a go. Simul... Nope. <laughs> that was going to be simurectums. Simurectums. The, uh, the duplicates um, can be up to 120 feet away from the body. You can spread them out throughout the town, but they'll have to be in a certain position because they can't walk very far. And the other thing, which I, oh, what was it now that I quite liked? The tether itself is immune to damage. And I think that's interesting because the whole thing is the oblex. So if you attack the duplicate, the, the oblex will take the damage. So I wonder if it's something, because it's such a, I say, a newish creature, obviously like two years old. Obviously, if people are fighting it for the first time, they might go like, oh, well, we should kill the individual things first and then try and force to cut it off from the tether. But then how do you judge that? Do you actually say, oh, it, it doesn't work. Weapons don't work against it. It's not taking the damage to the tether or, you know, you, you have to attack the duplicate directly, which can actually be quite horrifying because these creatures look like exact yeah. copies of people you've met, of people of your own party. And who will probably say, no, please, I'm trapped. Don't hurt me. If you, if you hurt oh, me, yeah. it will kill me. So... Yeah, really, really interesting. And yeah, it, it got some interesting... Um, so like I said before, the sort of um, plus 10 to Arcana, plus 10 to Deception, and hist uh, plus 8 to Deception, sorry. History plus 10, Nature plus 10, Religion plus 10. And it has blind sight as well. So technically, it can see all around itself. It doesn't necessarily need to, to look at ways. So that's, again, another really cool thing. So all of these things actually make it really, really interesting. <laughs> Is there anything that you didn't like about it or anything you thought, oh, I'm not so sure how I'd play that or how I would, I don't know, how, how you would get it right in your campaigns? Well, I think uh, you mentioned the, the tether thing. And I, I found that quite tricky to think through. I think if you're running quite a dark campaign, like you, you went through, it's perfect for that. You know, you're trying to save these people who you think are real, but they're not. And that's, you know, and you're trying to, and the first thing you would do is try and cut the tether. And it can be frustrating that that's not something you can do. You mm -hmm. can't save these people. And forcing your players to do something nasty isn't always... Um, well, of course, they can run. They can do other things. But forcing, like, one mindset players to feel they have to fight or mm -hmm. whatever, I think that can be quite tough. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you can do is make it so that the, the, the mimics, the simulcrums, <laughs> are um, visibly evil. Um, so one thing I did, uh, and I don't know if this is skipping forwards a bit, but when I ran this, I had it that when the creatures moved their heads, when they knew it was time to feast, when the small crumbs moved around, they're like, it's going to sound really effective. No, go but for like, it. The, the skulls or like the innards moved before the skin. That's cool. So it's oh. like a poorly fitting glove that turns around. So then they kind of go, yep, no, this is bad. Yeah. Oh, but, I like um, that. Yeah. Describing them. Yeah. So I, I found that whole concept quite tricky to get my head around. But I think as long as you know your players mm. and you, you're happy with how the rules are doing. Uh, the other one, bit, which is fine, but I wasn't quite sure of it. And I completely messed it up when I ran it was um, 
And this again is described in much better um, eloquence by the Monsters Know What They're Doing blog yeah. uh, by Keith Aman, is that the book is not necessarily clear on why a memory-sucking creature would go back for seconds. Mm-hmm. Because once they've done their first memory consumption, they've already learned everything. And the, the rules behind it, the nitty-gritty behind eating someone's memories is once they've done it once, they can effectively plop out a smulcrum. But also the person who's been hit has to do a wisdom saving throw or take a chunk of psychic damage. And there's a second effect that while their memory drains, they have to minus a D4 from any ability check or attack roll. It's kind of similar to the Bane spell. Mm -hmm. Really, once you hit, you're then in a really bad state. Um, and the rules state that if that player gets memory drained again, that turns into a D6 that's taken off, then a D8 that's taken off, and so on, until it reaches D20, and the victim becomes unconscious. But the way it's written, it's it's talking about you know once brain's been uh, the memory's been eaten, why would it go back seconds? Because it's already kind of learned everything. Mm. Um, so if you've only got one oblex in the fray, it's you just have to think well, it's going to take a bite out of everyone mm-hmm. but why it's not really an end boss fight as you say it's more of a scout more of someone who's going in there but maybe it has like a brood once mm. it's eaten enough memories it plops out children obliques and they all go in for a feast so you have that challenge of having uh, your memories muddled and drained away and just reading it again here, it's so the creature, once uh, eat memories happens, the creature is then memory drained, which is a great, great phrase. I love that. <laughs> but they're, they're, they are memory drained or in that sort of state effect until they have a short or long rest. And, I, and that's a good point. I would be like, actually, they could just take a short rest after the fight and then they'll be fine. I think what I'd do, if you had one of these creatures that was sent to hunt the party and learn about their stuff, I think you would change that effect so it's every 24 hours because actually i feel like being drained of like a memory or two is actually like we've all been there when we've forgotten words we've all been there we've not had our coffee or forgotten our keys and and this is going to lead on to something that i plan to do so i ran a campaign oh it's called in name only it was a good scenario basically there's a town that's been afflicted by a demon and and i was like this is really (laughs) cool but i wanted i wanted to do something else so i started introducing the idea that the demon is making deals with people like the stuff, but then taking their memories from them and having this lasting impact whereby, you know, people would be forgetting that, oh, I was supposed to make dinner. Oh, it's all burnt. I was meant to pick Alexis from school. You know, stuff like that to the point where they couldn't really function. Like they would just forget and just be sat in their houses and, you know, and not be able to do anything. Because I find that's incredibly creepy. Like, you know, and there's always going to be that talk about, you know, old age and, you know, dementia and stuff. It is kind of scary. I just thought it was just a really interesting concept. So having something like this, which could take memories from them, but you know, but they recover. I like the idea. What I would probably change is that you would make a roll. So I think it's a was it? It's a wisdom saving throw of fifteen. I think if you fail the check by more than five, I think something permanent happens. I would probably ask what's the first uh, memory you have, or what's of your favourite memory, and get them to describe it out in detail. I go great. You have no memory of that anymore. It's gone. And have that, Ooh. have that. Cause I, th- I think, I think, cause that's like, oh shit, this, this thing's not playing around. It's good. Cause I like the idea that this creature is intelligent, but maybe the best memories aren't necessarily the ones full of information. It's the ones that have, 
the sort of sentiment and the and the emotion. I'm thinking proper inside out. Like you pick up Ooh. the memory ball, <laughs> and it's like it's so happy, but it's also sad. <laughs> So I think I, I think like it just feels like it's a cool idea. I like the idea of the, the memory drain. But I agree with you. It is like, well, why would the creature want to do it again? Maybe then the motive for the creature is like that person has a really interesting backstory or has a really interesting like oh, there's lots of sad memories here. Nom nom nom. <laughs> especially those <laughs> especially those edge lords. I was like, I have no parents. Like oh, I think you remember one of those parents. Oh, do you? I don't know. It's gone now. Like and just play play with them a little bit and it's like and then obviously it's the thing again it's like once you destroy a creature uh destroy an obelisk sorry do those memories come back i Mm. think it could be a 50 50 chance because it depends on how long they've been absorbing your memories absorbing your your skills or, or your views and stuff like that if it's been i'd say maybe over a day then yeah of course you get it back but then the longer time you might have to do a percentile uh check or something like that and higher and stuff and you might never remember so again i think just maybe tweaking it a little bit and it's it is very story based like because that's the thing at the end of the day people might be like i just hit it i don't care about my my motivations <laughs> and my goals and stuff but i think that just makes you a more interesting story so that's what i would probably do to sort of improve that perhaps that's a cracking concept no i really like that um you could almost have because you know some players send you through three a four of a word file with their backstory. You could almost do so, so every, every every time they get hit, you can delete a paragraph off their backstory in the word file. <laughs> that will be really you just bring it up and go, this <laughs> never happened. That's yep. that's on level of like it's in Curse of Strahd, I think, where you you say, Oh, your character died. Can you pass me it? And then just ripping up the character sheet in front of them. <laughs> which I think is super, super mean. And I, I don't think I'd ever have the balls to do it, but yeah or you could do a you could do a find and replace so you could do a random find and replace for like someone's name and important their background or where they lived and just change it with i don't know fart or something (laughs) i mean we're we're making jokes memory memory loss is a is a horrible thing i've I've had i've had some experience with it with regards to uh you know my mental health issues Mm -hmm. and family and stuff and it is horrible, but from a from a story point of view, it's been used to such great effect in a lot of fiction. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think I think this is you just have to be sensitive. sensitive. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely it's it's making sure you check in with your players, even possibly just before the fight and stuff like there's um I think I've spoken to you about this before, Sam, but there's a, a great safety tool called the X card. It's by someone called Jason something. His last name is an incredible long uh, list of syllables. Uh, so I will never, I will never do additions. But essentially, during a game, you have either a um, if you're there physically, you'd have like a, a little card with X on it, or you just say to your players, "Look, I'm about to run a game. It's going to have these particular themes uh, in it. There might be stuff that you might find triggering or uncomfortable, and that's totally fine. If there's something that you know, actually, I don't want to be any part of this, you you either tap the X or you send it privately to the dm and then it's up to the dm and if it's done publicly for the whole group to change where the scene has gone so one good example of this i saw was um an rpg stream where there's lots of smoking in in a bar and one of the players just was like no Uh, just just literally tap the x and that was it and everyone else just changed it around them the players don't need to justify why they find it uncomfortable they don't need to so, you know, then maybe they might have to say if it's not obvious, like uh, then maybe just go. Could you just say which element it is, just so we know we don't have to 
over explain it or stuff. Or we can either reverse and go back to the beginning of the scene. Or if it's one of those things you're like, it's it's okay, but let's not focus on it. You can just fast forward. Mm-hmm. So again, a lot of stuff like around consent or around any sexual scenes, if that's something you're doing in your RPG games, it's something to consider is like, you know, the lines and veils of it. Like you see it, but it fades to black, <laughs> um, which I think is, is actually quite useful because obviously it's not everyone is has the same... Um, line stuff so i think absolutely i think memory loss is an interesting one i think it's one of those things that does affect people and it's maybe something that not many people talk about so it is something just to check in mind so yeah it's a cool concept but again it's just making sure that it's hitting the right spot i guess and, and making sure that it's being used for effect rather to that rather than to to trigger un- yeah. yeah exactly it's, it's meant to be a story device but done sensitively absolutely cool this got deep <laughs> so sudden so how would you implement obliques in your game sam like i know we've talked about like oh ideas for stuff but like what is there anything that you like you know what this would be a really good setting or or if there's anything you've already done you kind of refer to having them in games before yeah so um as you mentioned i currently have two groups i dm for off and on they're both predominantly beginners or kind of casual uh, one group I play for the enjoyment of the game and having a laugh. Uh, the other group play predominantly to have a laugh and drink copious amounts of booze. <laughs> I subjected the latter group to the objects, and so I gave it a bit of like a comedy spin. Okay. Um, so the party arrived at a small tavern in the middle of nowhere and were warmly invited by a slightly over-friendly tavern keep. <laughs> the tavern staff and other patrons were all projected smulcrums of the objects who... They're just kind of sitting around the bar and the, the staff and things like that. Because the Oblix specifically targets people with high intelligence, as you mentioned, I thought it'd be funny if the tavern was having some kind of pub quiz night. <gasps> yes! In order to identify who's the smartest, like, mem- knowledgeable person in the party. That's so clever! So they're all, and I do like a real quiz. Like one of our quizzes we used to do on Fridays, I just yeah. copied and pasted that. And so you've got the players all fighting amongst themselves trying to win this quiz. But the prize is just a big old target on your back. That is so clever. That's so awesome. Oh, yeah, a thousand percent. That is so cool. (laughs) I'm like, as a result. And you can punish the wizard who uses his invisible... A uh, servant to have a look at the answers behind the tavern. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> I want to go back and whisper. I, re- I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. I I had to think about this as well because it's it's something that's it's like one of those things. Like, this is a cool creature. How do I build an encounter around them? So yeah, like instantly you said that you sh- it'd be cool to have the whole town or a huge chunk of the town there. So. Unlike what is now in the real life, you'd have people in crowded spaces. So like the, the taverns, the courthouse was a really cool idea. I think what would be really cool would be something like maybe an archive or a library and having, you know, maybe just one or two, like the sort of the librarian goes, oh, well, that's fascinating. You want to know about the histories. And if someone has enough history, say, oh, well, you must come into the back office and talk about your... Um, <laughs> your travels and your, you know, what is going you know, and learning stuff like that. I think the other thing is, cause it, it does assume the Oblex are working on their own. Like they're not under the power of mind flayers. So uh, it's something that w- has come up before. 
where I've talked about like mind flayers in general. I, I don't know how much you know about them, Sam. Um, so the mind flayers are very good at sort of infiltrating, gaining information, and preparing people for the the, the takeover, essentially, and changing people into stuff. So I like the idea that having a couple of oplex around certain strongholds, certain maybe important places, uh, maybe oh, maybe having something like um. The fantasy version of a House of Commons, uh, just to <laughs> to to get people's like thoughts and like scanning the environment for like what is happening. Because and then maybe that's the other thing about the Eat Memories as well. Maybe you have to do it fairly often because news changes quite a bit. They aren't necessarily connected to other oplex, but if they're under the control of an elder brain, that is like a big sort of data storage system, and they get all their information from it. So I think that would be quite cool using them as a sort of like, oh, there's some something more rather than in isolation. And maybe um, another idea uh, that sort of come, has sort of come about for me is that with mind flayers, normally they are a part of a colony or something, but you can also have rogue mind flayers like in the Lost Kenku or like have them, they're quite valuable as like a royal advisor to a king or queen, which is kind of terrifying really. But you know, <laughs> if they're not under the influence of an elder brain, it's totally fine. But I like the idea that maybe they either have a pet Oblix to find out information, like almost like Varus, sort of a Game of Thrones style. Yes. Or they are working for the Elder Brain. And if they're like, we found an Oblix, it is, oh, there must be mind flight. You know, what do you know? Like, well, I don't know anything. I can't possibly accuse me of this, you know, and like <laughs> still be that horrible sort of worm tongue whispering in the, in the ear of the royal family saying, no, 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 everything's fine. So... I think it's definitely something you can use for bigger scale sort of, not necessarily conspiracies, but some ways to sort of mold people into, into stuff. But like, as we sort of talked about, it's not necessarily like these things are going to kill you. They don't kill you. They just drain you of your memories. And it's, it's mm. a very different game to like killing things. Whereas mind players, they do basically either change you into a mind player or dissect you and be like, hmm, no use for them anymore. <laughs> Feed them to the elder brain. <laughs> No, I love that idea of having like some network infiltrating a, a place. That's really good. Um, oh. David did, um, he did kind of like a reskin homebrew version mm-hmm. of uh, the Oblex, which was really good, um, more leaning towards horror, where, which of course is very David. He takes something that's unnerving and makes it truly horrifying. Makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, love you, David. And he's instead of having like the small crumbs being projected, he had them as the dead, like dead corpses, which the core oblex had like shot into the back of the necks to kind of Ooh. raise them as like puppets. Oh no! And, oh, it was horrendous. It was great. It was very David, and he does it amazingly. But oh yeah, oh yeah, the nice. back of the head. Oh no, not very the creepy. O- the other thing I just realised again, looking at this thing. So we talked about like obviously, so they can create uh, the duplicates. I'm not saying simurac. No, I tried, didn't work. Um, Simul rectums. Simul rectums. Um, they they do sort of try the the duplicate. Uh, oh my god, I can't even say duplicates. <laughs> Oh, it's fine, it's fine. So they do try and do the doubles. There you go. But they also have, if it doesn't work, because obviously if you if you if they're accidentally seen and they're like, you know, caught in the act, as you would, they can do charm person up to yes. sort of fifth level, which is technically five characters. 
because the eat memories does you do take psychic damage so of course as soon as you do it they're like hey what's happening but like you can always like, start to eat memory and they go no shh, i'm your friend and you're like oh yeah oh yeah it's me i'm my friend you know because obviously the, the simulacrum will be there there's also hold person as well yeah. so of course you're like oh we're just gonna hold back the beefy fighters who aren't very smart hold them back for a bit whilst i just eat 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 which I, yeah. I was like, that's pretty cool. Like that's the thing. And then the sort of final thing, I just I just said again, looking at my notes, because it doesn't really say what you do with the duplicates. They just appear. It doesn't really say like, do they have their own actions? Do they act like you? They get all the information, but what do they do? And I think I would probably give them a turn in the initiative. They don't go away if you try and cut them. They don't like you know, they, they, as as a sort of maybe as a free action, you could always dismiss one and then reappear somewhere else. Because that could really frighten people that you have like up to, was it up to five for an adult one and then up to 13 for another. If they all have their own initiatives and actions, that could be really frightening. A bit like, a bit like doppelgangers in a way, I guess, because obviously they all have all the same things as you. I think they can only punch and stuff. That's true. They probably won't be able to do spells or anything like that. But well, that's, that's interesting because it, it uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it doesn't, Mention it, it at all, does it? Was, it? it was only mentioned in the in the uh, the monsters really know what they're doing post. That's the only reason why I was like, actually, it's a good point because it, it's a really cool concept. But then in battle, if you've got all these all these things, are they like fingers? They're just like waving around, not doing very much, or can they go and individually fight? Because again, it's such a I, I imagine it to be a very smaller version of a mind player colony. So you've got the elder brain that can do like psychic blast and all this sort of thing, but then the illithid and the mind flayers are like the fingers of the hand. They go out and attack you and they'll have all their own initiatives and stuff. The only difference really is that the duplicates for the oblex are actually attached to the creature and can go up to 120 feet. Hmm. I guess red is written, you're expected to treat all the duplicates and the blob as one entity. So, but it, you know, the adult oblex only has one, like, punch attack per turn so you don't you'd have five of these creatures wandering around but only mm-hmm. one of them can do attack and that yeah as you say that that seems really weird unless you build an encounter knowing that that mm-hmm. add in say five bandits mm-hmm. who are the creatures and when those bandits get hit you take off some health from the mm-hmm. source or something mm-hmm. yeah that's that's a tricky one Mm. But I think you, you're right. It, it misses something from having that fear mm. of all these things. Again, like so it's that sort of thing where I think it would make sense. I, again, this is this is purely from that blog post that you sent uh, that that you told me to read. I think I think it is actually really important because it's, it's a creature that could really do a lot of damage. Because it's almost like you'd always build it up to be like, yeah, if you have it and then thirteen, it has thirteen goes possibly. Uh, which can be like oh shit it's, it's like legendary actions right so they have to yeah. be really smart in a way of it and they don't ha- they don't have that many hit points really like the armor class is doable and of course they are um like all sort of oozes they are uh they don't like fire but they don't split either that i think that's sorry that's the main thing obviously this is the thing where i'm like oh and this but they're, <laughs> they don't like fire so they'll try and get away from it as well but they don't split like say normal gelatinous cubes do or oozes in general so i think that's interesting because you can still fight it but it will definitely try and escape and i think that's the whole point going back around to it it doesn't want to fight 
it won't get into a combat it knows it can't win it's going to take its time and slowly take what it needs and then leave them as if it was never there mm. so it's it's good and the the elder oblex has dimension door so he or oh my god I, they, did, I did not even see that <gasps> they would have no problem escaping if things got real yeah you've got confusion fear hypnotic pattern well, uh, you, you the, mas the master of hypnotic pattern here would be today. <laughs> so is there anything you'd suggest to, like for inspiration for like Oblexes? Anything you think, oh, that'd be a good thing to watch? Obviously, we've spoken about the body snatchers. That's certainly sort of uh, something I thought of when, when I was reading this. Um, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with anything beyond that. I... Um... I bet there's a couple of episodes of like Buffy or Supernatural where they do that. And to be honest, those kind of shows are perfect for D&D &D mm. inspiration because it's cheesy, it's episodic. And so, yeah, if you just Google Buffy episode with doppelgangers or like Supernatural, mm. and as long as it's not one of the horrendously cheesy episodes, it should be good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Oh, I just sold of one. What was it now? There's, um, so I was thinking of stuff which has sort of almost like Uncanny Valley stuff. So, um, oh, I know David's played it, but the Detroit game where you play a robot that's got certain memories and stuff, but the, the sort of Uncanny Valley of it and the sort of the way they move around and stuff is again how I would see like the duplicates. I can't remember what it's called now. It's, it's, it's on the shelf behind me, but I refuse to turn around until I remember it. Uh, <laughs> um, Detroit Become Human or something? Thank you, Sam. <laughs> you saved it. Yeah, but Detroit Become Human, which is a great game. The look of them and the look of them without their faces on as well. Uh, like the sort of the weird sort of, again, how I would imagine when they create a duplicate, it's sort of coming together, maybe the, the flesh and the things sort of muscled together. And you're like, <gasps> it's, it's, you know, it has appeared. Yeah. Um, yeah, but um, <laughs> the other thing I think of, and it goes back to sort of the memory manipulation, I guess, and stuff. So, uh, Never Ending Story 2. Um, there is. <laughs> which, the first one was great, the second one's also great. It's just a bit weird. So, the, the main character is a character called Bastion, and he gets taken into the Never Ending Story book, and he has the Auron, which is a big symbol on the front of the book, and he can use the Auron to make wishes. But every time he makes a wish, it takes one of his memories away. And they call it um, when he when he starts to forget it's, it, it's all the important memories. So like he forgets about his mum, uh, he forgets about his dad, he forgets about her, you know, the things that make him him. They call it the emptiness. And that Ooh. is the enemy of the thing. And that's what inspired a little bit of the the in-name only sort of came, the idea that these people slowly but surely become empty. And and eventually, you know, they are helped back to remember stuff. And there's the importance of like, you know, you know, you have these memories, but you can always make more and you can, these are core memories, but once you're back, you can create them and it's okay to be scared and, and to, to forget sad times, which I thought was actually a really cool thing. So again, I guess it's going back to the idea of like, you know, memory loss as a, as a, as a campaign, as a storytelling, it should be treated with care. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe the eat memories, you your your memory is taken, but then you get somebody else's memory instead. Mm. And that could be an interesting concept. It's just a, it's just a way the transference works. I do, yeah, I, I love that idea uh, from the film I haven't watched, the Never Ending Story 2. You better, you better put that on the list, Sam. I'll, I'll put it on the list. Where you, <laughs> At least watch the first one, because the first one's really good. <laughs> where you, you gain something for giving up your memory. Mm. And rather stupid, but that reminded me of 
Um, have you ever watched Gravity Falls, the cartoon? No, I haven't. Oh, I oh, need to. Tell me all there's about it. There's an episode in that which, oh, what are the, there's like a cult of people who are the, like the no-seers, like it didn't happen here. And they go around mm -hmm. and use like a memory gun to take away people's memories if they've seen something that's happening that's odd in the town. Oh, wow. And like some people go to them willingly because they just don't want to remember like... Oh, shoot, yeah. I saw, and it's all cartoon and yeah, like yeah. dark in a kid's way, but it's it's a really cool idea. So Mabel, the, the young girl, is like, I've, such, I've had such a horrible summer of boyfriends. I just want to erase it from my brain. <laughs> And like the others are like, this is a horrendous cult that's happening. Mm. Yeah, I know, but Darius was a douche or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. The idea that you'd voluntarily want your memories to be gone. I think uh, there must be a Doctor Who episode on that somewhere as well. Sorry, it's where my brain works in Boomtown in the I think it's the second season of Doctor Who with David Tennant and um, Martha and they, they open up and they, she takes like a drug and she completely forgets yeah. uh, her partner and stuff and it's all the, the weird oh it's like a, I think it's Boomtown or no it's not Boomtown it's the one where there, there's a big rush hour gridlocked uh, with the cats uh in the in the things sorry sorry this. i'm just going oh. but yeah it's it's yes. in gridlock gridlock <laughs> but yeah it's in doctor who as well the idea of like you would voluntarily give up this memory that's because it's something so painful that could be a really interesting concept to to go into as well that would be good i i remembered now that the cult was called the blind eye society blind eye society and the, the boyfriend who was crap was called mermando he was a man mermando that's such a great name <laughs> well sam thank you so much for such an interesting topic we, we went on for a while didn't we <laughs> yeah, but, but that's good like that it's interesting how three pages of interest and then a couple of other other sources you actually find out a, a lot about it and it's we said that's what we've discovered it's not necessarily a monster to hack and slash it's somewhere to put in your campaigns and develop something from it whether it is for good or for evil so thanks for that that was really good um so before we sign off sam is there anything you'd like to plug is there anything any cool i don't know netflix shows you've been watching anywhere <laughs> do, do people want to find you on the internet no one needs to find me. But I would say, you know, we've used him quite a lot, or we've used the blog quite a lot in discussing and thinking on today. So we should give props to um, the Monsters Know What They're Doing, the blog, and the books which come out, because they are really good to read. So I've, I've used his blog a couple of times for mm. uh, thinking how to act, because I'm, I'm terrible at that. I'm just like, I'm a monster. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. I will put a link to it in the episode show notes as well, because, yeah, it seems really good. So that is... Monsters know what they're doing, ready to use tactics for D&D 5th edition by Keith Aman. And he's got two books coming out, so maybe go buy those. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, oh, I need to plug myself. <laughs> what do you do, Fiona? <laughs> what do I do? Sorry, I, it's because I always forget to do this. So. so my name is Fiona. I run the What Am I Rolling podcast, which is a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. It's still doing very well. <laughs> um, we just, uh, we've just had an interview uh, no, this is the problem. It's, we're recording this in the past, but it's now coming out in the future. 
It's very weird. But there's going to be Pugmire one-shot that's going to be coming out. I've played some solo RPGs. Uh, finally, we've got The Wretched coming out, which is basically an alien solo RPG where you're trying to fix the ship, but the aliens trails trying to get in. That was quite terrifying. There was uh, Quill, which is a letter-writing RPG where I played various foppish people trying to, <laughs> uh, as, as, as I normally do, trying to write letters. And I say. Yeah, so th- that's all going really, really well. So I guess we'll we'll just sign off and everything. So thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs> thanks for having me, Fee. No worries, Al. <laughs>